here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 687. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being, excuse me, is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we, uh, Kathy and I, watched a movie called Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z. And a few friends and my younger sister told me that I should that we should watch it. So we watched it. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And this is what it says on IMDb. Follow Jonah Hill and his therapist as he has candid discussions of mental health and the pro- progressively worsening anxiety attacks related to the movie promotion that turned this dream job into a nightmare. That's a weird that is, summary. That is a weird summary. Thanks I, a lot, IMDb. I would say it this way. I would say Jonah Hill, actor, jo- actor director, producer Jonah Hill interviews his therapist, who's a somewhat well-known therapist who's written a a few books um, about his, what he has offered to him, Jonah, like he's saying, talk about what you've offered me, what you've offered other clients, and then kind of turning the tools around on his own therapist. And so he kind of tells the story of his therapist and how he got to be where he is. Um, which is, it's super, it's a really interesting watch if you are a therapist or if you have been in therapy or both, like, um, the, you know, that's how I felt, is you're watching kind of an experience play out that feels familiar, um, but ov- obviously has a more um, intimate, you know, their relationship is is beyond therapist and client, don't you think? Like, they're really good friends. For sure. Yeah. So we're going to use, we're not going to like do a review on no. on the this podcast for that documentary, but we're going to use some of the information as a vehicle of discussion. Well, because as we were watching, I kept pausing it or Todd kept pausing it to discuss some of the things that they were sharing because, you know, I always, I really do believe that there's nothing new under the sun, but the way somebody can explain something can make it feel brand new. Mm. And so... It gives it like opens up another channel in your brain where that you're like that I get or that would be helpful and um, I think we you know stopped a lot to talk about that and I'm still very cold. I know you are. Should I turn the heater on? No, because then it makes a loud sound. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, but first, uh, Team Zen. If anybody out there is looking for more support, exclusive content that Kathy and I created. And an awesome community of parents. It's 25 bucks a month. Go to zenparentingradio.com. We did a Zen Talk yesterday, being Monday. Um, and then we have these micro communities, which are smaller uh, groups of people within Team Zen that convene and get together and talk about certain topics. One of them is on raising healthy sons, one of them is on raising different wired kids. We have two others. Uh, we're also doing this thing called Team Zen Presents, where we bring in an expert once a month. And our next expert, is Deborah Farmer Chris, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And she's an education journalist, parent educator. Um, she's going to be awesome. So we're going to do that next uh, on December 19th. So. Yeah. And we're coming up with new, you know, Todd said on, in Team Zen, we have exclusive content. And we're right now coming up with what's, it, we already have that, but we're going to actually offer more in-depth courses or classes, or what do you want to call them, Todd? Well, I don't know. In curriculum, curriculum, courses. About the things that get that people ask us about the most. And so that's going to be available through Team Zen as well. So um, I also want to tell you that today, when this podcast comes out, I'm doing two Zoom speaking engagements, one um, at noon, um, and in case you're listening to this in the morning, noon Central Time, and then one at 7 p.m. Central Time. And they are um, 
both about Zen parenting, they about my book, they are about unpredictability, they are about uncertainty, they are about dealing with anxiety, um, they are about talking about whatever you want to talk about. So I know all the directions I can go, but anybody who wants to join us, um, if you scroll down below, um, there's, you can, you know, there's hyperlinks. You can RSVP to the event and uh-huh. get on live with Kathy and a whole bunch of other parents. Yes, please. Um, but first we're going to do this. Barellis. Why did you include this in your Zen parenting moment, sweetie? Because I love that lyric that you just played. That's my favorite part of the song. I love bridges. Don't you love bridges in songs? I love Todd Bridges from Different Strokes. <laughs> well, this is a different kind of bridges. Oh, okay. um, even though I was also a Different Strokes fan. You know, weren't we all? Um, but anyway, we... Basically, the the title of that Zen parenting moment from Friday was called Share, and it was about the ability to share of ourselves and why it's difficult. You know, it's hard to put all that into three paragraphs, but I just think we get messages about um, our voice, and I don't mean like how it sounds. Maybe for some, like some people get messages about you're too loud or I don't like the way your voice sounds or whatever it may be. But some of us are told in a more under, more of an undercurrent of like what you have to say isn't valuable or when you speak, there's problems or whatever. And if we learn that really early, then as we grow up um, and engage in new relationships, it can be very difficult to share what we think. Um, so, but what I, what I was saying in the Zen parenting moment is we have to practice. <laughs> there's no, there's no alternative. You have to be able to start practicing sharing and the examples that I give are things really small, like, Todd, what's your favorite color? Purple. Okay. So you're sharing of yourself because that's not my favorite color. Well, that's your problem. Right. And you're, and you're not trying to make anyone happy. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Um, Empire Strikes Back or Midnight Run or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay. One of those three. Right. Um, Depends on what mood I'm in. What's your favorite book? Um, Fiction is uh, anything by John Krakauer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that actually, fiction? no, that's not fiction. Yeah. That's uh, I guess <laughs> I read a lot of non self, a lot of self help books. So that's my non self help book. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. Oh, Charlie Donnelly. Anything from Charlie Donnelly's um, fictional books. If you guys don't know who Charlie Donnelly is, he's an amazing thriller writer. He's written like five or six books. Dear friend of mine. And then uh, non fiction would probably be Krakauer. And then I talk about Untethered Soul and A New Earth. So I don't know if I have one, but those are a group. Those are like, yeah. that's kind of, and all of those, you know, because I live with Todd, those are his favorite things. And he's sharing with me where there's a lot of people, especially when I'm working with people, um, women and girls, it tends to be, there's a lot more of a inability to, you know, what's your, you know, I'll ask them, well, what's your favorite food? I don't know. I don't know. I know. Step and, into your power. And and the thing is, is here's one thing that I will say to everybody, because some people are like, I have to have a final decision on this. No, you don't. What's your favorite food today? What's your favorite food? I don't care if your favorite food in two weeks is different. I don't care if someone will say, no, you didn't like that food two weeks ago, and now you're saying it's your favorite. I don't care what other people say. What's your favorite food? That's what I mean by share. Yeah. 
you know, and, and what's your favorite, like you may have watched a movie last night and it's your new favorite movie Mm -hmm. and you don't have to demonstrate to everybody why it's your new favorite movie. This, this inherent competition that we have, or this need to convince everybody that no, 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 this is really how I feel. A little sidetrack, Todd, but it involves our girls. Something that the girls and I talk about a lot, and you were involved in this conversation this weekend, is how, you know, how certain people like they will, and your sister was part of this conversation because she was really, um, she was lovely about it and admitted that sometimes this happens with her, where someone will like something and they'll be like, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Like, claim, no, claim, claim ownership. ownership. Over liking a song, a band, an athlete, a book, a TV show. Whatever. And then what that means is nobody else can say anything about it or like it mm-hmm. because this person's like, it's mine. And your sister was funny because she loves Javi Baez, anybody who's a Cubs fan. Where, what team is he on now? Tigers. So, or a Tigers fan knows who he is, but she will sometimes be like, I liked him first, mm-hmm. which she did. Actually, she didn't. A lot of people liked oh. him, but she was an early, early adopter, adopter. Yes. of hobby bias. So, but then when people have that thing where they're like, no, this is my band or my song, it's really a disconnecting mm-hmm. experience with people. It's one thing to say, that's my favorite. And if someone's like, I love it too, to be like, see, that connects us versus mine, not yours. Yeah. Um, so there's like a looseness to it. And I really like, like, you know, I've always said my whole life, my favorite, um, movie is the wizard of Oz, which in my childhood it was, and it's still meaningful to me. I still use it in mystical ways. I have all this, you know, stuff from the movie. I love it, but my, yeah, all three Who's of those your favorite of all the oh, Dorothy's Scarecrow, friends for sure. Really? Scarecrow has always been my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think Tin Man probably gets the least amount of love. What do you think? I do, but that's a funny thing to say because he he says he doesn't have a heart. Yeah, right. Um, I always felt like Scarecrow was like a father figure kind of character, mm. and he didn't understand how powerful and friendly and awesome he was. He didn't think he was smart, and maybe you know, there's we read into those things in different ways. But anyway, where does Toto rank? Uh I don't. <laughs> I didn't have. A, I don't have a take on Toto. I'm just being honest. Yeah, he doesn't really do a whole lot. No, but I was glad Dorothy had Toto because when I was young, I always wanted a dog. So I understood the necessity of having a companion. Yeah. Especially because he saves her. So do you had monkey? I did. I had my stuffed monkey. He just couldn't. He wasn't a flying monkey. I wonder where monkey is right now. He's upstairs in our bedroom sitting in the chair. What happened in college, sweetie? (laughs) I don't want to tell tell the story. You want me to tell it? Uh, You don't don't know. know. You weren't there. You've told me it. Okay, what's the story? Her friends started messing with Monkey, and they thought it was funny because that's what you do with friends. No, they kidnapped him. Oh, they kidnapped him. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. Yes. It's like taking my pet and saying, I'm going to kidnap him. A little too far, cross the line. <laughs> right? A little too far, cross the line. They know because they were like, whoa. <laughs> like, they're really upset you. But can I get to what I was going to say? My favorite movie. Are you crying? <laughs> Did you cry, sweetie? Crying? Yes. I did. I think I was like a senior in college at the time. I was yeah. I was overwhelmed with you know other what? things. You want to know where Monkey is right now? Where? He's in the building! <laughs> <laughs> Man. Okay. I was going to tell a really short story yeah. about how my favorite movie as a kid was Wizard of Oz. Yeah. My favorite movie now, is, and it has been for a while, is Spotlight. Oh, I thought it's you were going to say... Uh, um, uh, stars. No, no. What's the one in Pittsburgh where they're driving through the tunnel? Oh, the perks of being a wallflower. Yeah, that's what I thought you were gonna say. That is in my top 
three. Yeah. But my what? But let's be real about like. Let me be real. What do I watch the most? What movie inspires me the most? Spotlight. Spotlight. So it's like if someone were like, "What's your favorite movie?" That's my favorite movie. And if someone's like, "I thought you said Wizard of Oz," that is too. Yeah. Perks of Being a Wallflower. Absolutely. Yeah. It's about well, where I you name, are. I named four or five of them. Right. Yeah. The point is, you guys get to like whatever you want. And That's if you like line. something and everybody else likes it too, so what? I like Taylor Swift. So does the rest of the world. And I also like, as we discussed last week, Night Ranger. And not a lot of the rest of the world does. And that's okay. Well, maybe they do. They have fans. I'm sorry if I'm excluding anybody. Um, but my point is, is you don't have to temper your likes and dislikes by how people react to it. So if I can encapsulate what you just said, it's just like what you want to like and forget about how people might judge your likes. And so when the Zen Parenting Moment is about share, when someone (laughs) says, what's your favorite thing? Tell them what your favorite thing is. And they may say, oh, that's, I don't like that. And you can say, Oh, you like the Backstreet Boys? Oh, that's weird. I love the Backstreet Boys. Come on, stop it. Um, So anyway, that is is the way it goes. So subscribe to Kathy's Zen Parenting Moment. All you got to do is scroll down on your phone, click the button, put in your name and email address. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's head on over to the topic at hand. Yeah, so we'll talk about the, you know, again, we're going to talk about stuts, but I'm not, like Todd said, we're not going to talk about the structure or necessarily Jonah's experience. Um, We're going to talk about some of the tools that he brought up. And he has a book um, that he wrote with another man named... Michael. You want me to look it up while you keep yeah, talking? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. He So they wrote a book called The Tools, and I told Todd, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never put these two things together. I knew about that book, but I didn't know it was this guy, um, and I, I'm sure his book is now just you know skyrocketing because of this Netflix series. But I, I want to talk about the- Barry Michaels and Phil Stutz, yeah. The Tools, five tools to help you find courage, creativity, and willpower, and inspire you to live- Life in Forward Motion. And I believe they have another book too, right, Todd? Are you on Amazon? I'm maybe... on Amazon. And there's the there's something called The Tools by Phil Stutz. Okay. And then The Tools, Five Tools to Help You Find Courage. Oh, I think it's just kind of different editions. Okay, different editions. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to just start with the word possibility. They don't go really deep into this, but I really love this word and the fact that they started the conversation with really what are we doing here? What are we doing in therapy? What are we doing when you're listening to Zen Parenting Radio? What are you doing when you're having a conversation with your spouse? And I think the word possibility has always been really, it's like, I was trying to explain to Todd the other day how words have such a, I know everybody knows they have meaning to me, but how words feel in my body. And if I if I hear a certain word or for a certain sentence, I either feel calm in my body or I feel like um, like when you pet a cat backwards. <laughs> what's a, like what's a good word for that? I think you just said it. When you pet, when you yes, pet a cat like where you go, Ugh, you know, like you're going the wrong way. Well, we talked a little bit about how sometimes I say the word that makes you feel all kind of janky. Yeah. And I always thought you were trying to correct me. Right. And on Saturday night when you said like, no, the reason I'm interrupting you, mm-hmm. but maybe some of us say, hey, Todd, that's not the politically correct word or whatever. Right. But most of the time it's in order for me to move forward in this conversation in the best way I can, let's find another word so that I can be more in flow. And just that knowledge, that information helps me. So the next time I use the wrong word, I will get less defensive. Correct. And I, that I'm so glad. And we had this conversation because we were watching Stutz. Like I said, we were talking about language and I really do. I know people listening may hear me say to Todd, can you say that a different way? Or, you know, maybe he'll say something like, I hate it when that happens. I'm like, do you hate it? Or is it difficult? You know, like I'm always trying to change the word a little. It's not because Todd doesn't have his own 
way of speaking, it's that we're having a conversation. If I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to then riff off of what he just said, it needs to feel a certain way. So I feel like we're on the same page. Um, and so the word possibility is one of those words where I kind of associate possibility with reframes, with a new opening, a new door in your mind. Um, it's why I think therapy is effective. Mm. Um, I think that we see the world through a certain window that has been developed by our childhood, mm. by our experiences, by what we watch, listen to, read. And then our window is either uh, really dirty mm -hmm. or super clear, or sometimes the window's open. You know, like I, I feel, and the thing is, is just the idea of having a dirty window, and I got this from Mark Nepo, he wrote about it in um, one of his books, but you can clean that window and see totally different things. Yeah. Because if the window is completely gray because of experiences, trauma, someone telling you the way the world is, then everything, if you're looking out the window, will look gray. Well, and I would say, um, I think this will help the conversation. All of us have something between us and what we're looking at. Yes. And, that, and, you, and let's call it the window. But all of us have debris on the window. I would love to be like, oh, I see reality clearly. I don't think no. anybody that's living on this planet, has ever lived on this planet, will ever live on this planet, has a clear view of what they see in front of them and my experience. I look at everything through my experience. You look at everything your, through your experience. And the reason us human beings struggle sometimes to connect is because we just assume that we see reality cleanly and mm -hmm. clearly. And we don't. We're seeing it through our own wounds, our own trauma, our own joys, our own worries, our own fears. So anyway. Well, and I wanted to say this morning, I was listening to a podcast, uh, Meghan Markle's podcast, and she had um, Trevor Noah on and also Judd Apatow and um, Andy Cohen. But I really liked um, something that... Uh, Trevor Noah was saying, and actually it's not so different than I wrote it down and I'm realizing it's basically identical to what we're saying. And he said, you only are able to see things through the lens that you know. Yeah. And the example he gave, which you're going to love this analogy, Todd, is he said, now think about the world, you know, and, and let's give the, the world or our society being created. Let's think about that in, in terms of creating a house. If you as a man, as a white cis man who's going to build a house, you would build a house in a certain way that made sense to you. You would have stairs because you can walk mm -hmm. and, you know, able-bodied. Yeah. You would have, you know, maybe certain colors because they appeal to you. Mm -hmm. You would have a certain way of setting things up because it totally makes sense to you. It's yeah. how you experience the world. Where when other people come into that house, it may not work for them. Yeah, like, why'd you do this? Why are there stairs? Why is it, why are the walls purple? Right. And it's just because I built the house not in my image. It sounds too no, biblical or whatever. You but. did create it in your image. Mm. And so then when people come in and say, I'm not sure about this, you go, no, this is a house. Yeah, this, this is what a house is supposed to be. Yeah, Because that's how you experience a house. But yeah. it doesn't work for someone who sure. isn't able-bodied. It doesn't feel good to someone who has a different perspective. But you believe that... And so... We can take that analogy everywhere, right? Whenever, whenever people say to me, well, that shouldn't bother this person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well... It doesn't bother you, mm -hmm. but this person has a different experience. They have a different house they need to live in, and and just understanding that your house is not wrong. Yeah, it doesn't make, and that's where people be like, "Well, I'm not going to apologize." You don't have to, but can you understand this house works for you? And if we are going to all kind of commune together, we got to figure out how to build 
maybe one big house or a lot of different houses that we can all live in. Can I bring in a little bit of my own judgment? Sure. Uh, as an opportunity for our audience to maybe learn about my own baggage. Okay. Sometimes when I'm driving around in a neighborhood that has really super big, wealthy houses, uh-huh. I will judge them and I'll be like, how much space do you need? Right? right. Like, this is ridiculous. Right. And all I know is that if somebody, say, from a poor part of the inner city of Chicago looked at our house, they might be like, dude, how much space do you need? Right. And then if you go to Africa or somewhere where there's a hut mm-hmm. and then they go in the inner city of Chicago and they see like a, or India. a mm-hmm. tiny two bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. that person will be like, how much space do you really need? So I just... It's relative. Yeah, right? It's relative. And it's and it's all about the why. Mm-hmm. Because there are some people that because of their circumstances, like imagine somebody who is more homebound, mm-hmm. having a large house is where they live. Mm-hmm. And they can't go out in the world the way you do. And so there's different reasons. I'm making that yeah, up. Yeah, right, right. But what I'm saying is we all... That you driving around is like, I don't need that much space. So why do you need that much space? That is... You are only seeing things through the lens of what you know. And so are all of us. So exactly. think about our conflict with our partners. And we just, sometimes I jokingly say to my clients, like, you just want your wife to look at the world the way you want to, exactly. and then we'll get along just fine. <laughs> and that's just not the way human relations works. That's what we want our kids to do. Can we just... hold? Can we hold the space for another person's experience. And it's sometimes it's really hard to do that. It is. And, you know, um, the whole process of being in a partnership or being in being a parent or being in relationship is the ability to unlearn some things. Right. (laughs) Because what if you have been single or on your own or focusing on just career ambition, again, there's no judgment of that. But then when you get into relationship and you live with someone else, you're going to have a lot of judgments. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the process of being in relationship with one other person or having a a house full of people um, is you have to unlearn some of the things that you think have to be a certain way. You have to recognize that there are other people who have different opinions about things. I would uh, maybe reframe this first chapter of this podcast from possibility to perspective. Isn't that kind of more what we're talking about? It it definitely went that way. And so I agree. Um, I think the reason that I wanted to start with possibility, you know, bringing it back is the whole idea of what this uh, documentary is sharing is that a lot of times we'll be like, yeah, life is hard and this is hard and I'm just going to have to trudge through. And the possibility or the perspective is that you can reframe anything. Sure. And I have... I am so grateful, I, and I'll, I'll say this, I think I've said this before in previous years, but the person that really changed my ability to open my mind was Marianne Williamson. I started reading her books when I was about 20, 21 years old, and I was like, oh, I don't have to look at it this way? You mean that that maybe something is taken care of that I don't know? You mean maybe other people are doing the best they can? Like... There was a few of her books that absolutely like would leave me in tears mm-hmm. because I had such a, a a a myopic view of how things should go yeah. and how I was either happy or sad, happy or sad, and most of the time it was scared and overwhelmed. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, you mean if this happens, it's an opportunity, mm-hmm. and that's what we're going to get into here. Yeah, and. I think that that word possibility or perspective, you're really just like 
you're unlearning or you're, sh- or you're taking off blinders or you're opening your myopic view. All you're doing is seeing things differently. And then, you know, we go to the quote that everybody knows as soon as you, you know, when the things you look at, what is it, Todd? When the um, things... When the, if you change the change way, way you look, you look at, at things, things, the things you look at change. Correct. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, this isn't a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. Whereas two days prior, we're like, oh, yeah. I got to do everything. So, and I used to always frame it in a spiritual way, and I still have my own spiritual sensibility about these things. But to me, it's a little more. It's both. It's there's some brain science to yeah. it as well. Yeah, I was going to say like there's math behind it. Yeah. Or well, and they've what is that the the two the two slits experiment? Mm-hmm. And I'm not smart enough to remember exactly the what physics that means. Experiment. But what happens is if they're looking at a certain light beam. Mm-hmm. It, it behaves one way when nobody's looking at yeah. it. And when somebody's looking at it, it behaves Goes another way. way. And yep. it like makes my brain hurt. Like how, why, that makes no sense. But they have scientifically proven that simply the act of observation of a light beam, I think that's the way it works, uh, will change the way it behaves. Well, so let's like put that, like a put a pin in that and understand that to be true. And let's realize how many different ways that shows up. Like I'm not going to go through all of them, but... One thing, like anytime we are asking other people to tell us how things are going, their perspective is going to be different and is going to alter the way then we perceive what's going on. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like as soon as someone looks at it, it changes immediately, just like you said in the physics experiment. But as soon as we go out in the world and we decide other people know more than us, like Mm -hmm. I need to ask this person and this person, and then we look at how they look at it, we've already changed it. Mm -hmm. So it's like a... Um, there's nothing to... There's a constant dance going on. There's nothing to take from that that you have to be like, well, then don't listen to other people. That's not what I'm saying. But recognize that to be true. Yeah. And and let's go the more um, positive or optimistic way of looking at that is sometimes talking to someone like a therapist allows you to see something completely different because their eyes see it different. Something that Todd's really helpful with to me is I there's certain things that really terrify me and there's certain things that don't make me afraid at all like i'm not constantly terrified and it, and it might make somebody else terrified right. you know the thing that makes you terrified might be like what are you worried about right and something that you're numb to or not numb to but don't experience as terrifying would terrify somebody else yeah like as todd has said money doesn't scare me and and i have been all over the place with money i've not had money and been middle class and been you know making my own money and i i it, it's i've been all over the place but i don't have fear around it where todd I wouldn't say struggles with it, but it's something that's on his mind. I all struggle the time. less. He struggles. He struggles less than he used to. But there's certain things that terrify me. And what I do is I go to Todd and I'll say, I am terrified by this because I need his lens because I can't see it clearly. And I know that. And so he'll say, This doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure we're seeing the same thing. And, um, and I think 90% of the time, maybe 10% of the time, you're just trying to like calm me down. But 90% of the time, you're like, I really am not afraid of this. Mm-hmm. And so that's really helpful for me to be like, okay, then maybe my lens is a little skewed. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's go to the, let's go to life force. Let's do that. Okay. So talking about life force, um, I liked the way, it, you know, the first part of the documentary, this is really what Phil Stutz focuses on is when he, clients come to him, the first thing he focuses on is how is your life force? And whereas we don't necessarily use that exact language, what is your life force? It's what's going on with your body, what's going on with people in your life, your connections, and then what's going on with you? Meaning body is, are you sleeping? Are you eating? 
Are you moving? You know, and that doesn't mean you have to be doing Peloton for, you know, two hours a day. Are you moving? Are you getting, you know, somewhere between six and nine hours of sleep? You're not going to get perfect sleep, but, and also are you drinking water? Are you, so body is very literal because your body needs those things to have energy and a life force. People is connection, you know, and connection could be your partner, your kids. It could be your friends. It could be virtual. Okay, Todd, we could have totally used this when the kids were younger. It would have been a way to entertain them in the car or maybe wind them down before bed. It's this streaming service called Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. They offer some well-known stories and so many original podcasts and audiobooks, which kids are really enjoying. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily card trips to and from school and for weekend getaways. Not only will parents love listening, but the kids will beg to turn on Pinna the second they step in the car. It's a routine they can look forward to and makes car rides more enjoyable for the whole family. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to Pinna. Dot fm slash promo to sign up and use the coupon code ZPR at checkout. That's Pinna, P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo. Now on with the show. And connection could be your partner, your kids. It could be your friends. It could be virtual. It could be, um, you know, chat rooms. It could be groups. It could be AA. You know, it's like, are you connecting to people? Did you have anything you want to say? I actually do. Okay, go ahead. So when I think of life force, um, Michael Singer did this in one of these courses I took. Uh, in it's like a river, yep. right? And this river is flowing, and the more openly it flows, the more life force we have. But then there's all these boulders in the river. Yep. And the boulders are trauma, wounds, experiences from your past. Those are one type of boulders, and then. Uh, in the coaching practice that I do, there's this really good worksheet that I love called the four pillars of integrity. Yeah. And and when we are when we are not doing these things, it compromises our life force. So I'm we can do a whole podcast about it, but we're not going to do it here. But the, I'll just say what these four things are. If we are not feeling our feelings, it prevents us. It prevents that river from flowing through. Mm-hmm. It prevents our energy. I, this feels very much like chi. Yes, right? Yeah, That's right. exactly how Singer did. So unfelt feelings is a, a stoppage of life force. Block. Unkept agreements is another stoppage mm. of life force. And that's why I get so specific with agreements with, you know, mostly with my clients or my guys or, or something. It's like, let's get very specific with what we're agreeing to do. Because if it's ambiguous, then all of a sudden I'm interpreting one thing one way, you're interpreting one thing another way. So agreements. Third one is blaming others. So let's take our own responsibility. When we're blaming others, it stops our life force. And then unsaid words, like Mm -hmm. when we are, the, um, the moment that we talked about today, use your words, like share your story. Mm -hmm. When we're not doing those things, it stops our chi. And Mm -hmm. I feel kind of a little imposterous to use that word because I don't quite understand what it means, but it's life force. It's just, yeah. How much energy do we have in our body? Mm -hmm. And so that's my take on life force. Well, and you kind of went into the third one, which is self. Okay. Okay. Because like the first one is physical body. The second one is relationships and he has like a, um, a triangle pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. And so physical body is first. Like if you are completely not sleeping, 
then nothing's going to work. Yeah. You, you have to sleep. So it's like really basic. It's a little like the, you know, when we put these food charts together. Sure. And then relationships, connecting with others. And then the last one is I think a lot of what you said, which is self, connecting with your subconscious yeah. and your mind yeah. and your, and this is where he gets into what you just said. We need to have some kind of connection to ourself. Todd and I really debate, and I don't even know if I'd use that word, but we talk a lot about writing because writing for me is the most natural output. I am, if I'm not writing for my own work or for my own enjoyment and my, you know, to further my own ambition, I'm writing just like I just journaling all the time. It's the way I output. And, and it's, it's chicken scratch. Like if you looked at my journals, you wouldn't be like, Ooh, Dear diary, like it's yeah. just words yeah. and and pictures, and it's just the way I output. Todd doesn't like writing, and I don't. I totally get it. Like I and JC was JC journals more than you do, but we were, we were with our daughter this weekend at her college, and we were talking about this. Like, how do you do your output? Yeah. And so, how would you like? What is it's a good question? I'm still navigating whether or not I don't journal because it's just so easy for me to say, "Oh, I'm not good at it. Oh, I don't enjoy it." There's times when people go to church. They may not look forward to going to church, but what the, the way they feel when they leave church, like just because you're not looking forward to something doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad idea. Did the five-minute journal help you with having like... Cause I, a little bit. I tried it for a little bit because it was it was like two-minute journal. It was like so... Three things you're grateful for. Three things you're grateful for. Yeah. for. It, it literally, I could do it in a minute. And I did it. And it, then it just became something that I felt like I should be doing. Mm. And I'm like, this feels not in alignment with what I'm doing. So your question is, so how do I output myself? Some of it's through conversation with you. Sometimes it's with conversation with friends. Sometimes it's going to work out at F45. Uh-huh. Um, you know, those are my ways of maybe releasing certain things. And I, maybe my aversion, I'm just experiencing this right now. Maybe my aversion to writing is because I do judge myself for being in my head so much. Mm. It's another head-based exercise. Whereas if I go to my workout place, then all of a sudden I'm not in my head That's at all. I'm in my body. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe at this moment, like I could change my mind tomorrow, but at this moment I feel um, better with my output maybe be, being more somatic, more physical. Sure. Um, so, but I, you know, it's not like I know this to be true. It's just, I'm throwing some ideas out there. And I, and Todd's heard me say this a million times. I'll just say this to listeners, just in case you feel similarly to him, which is fine. Like there's, um, there's no no right way. Yeah. There's no right way. Um, but what I will say about the writing output piece, cause it's very similar to, you know, cause the other way that we can have more, um, consciousness and understanding of ourselves or work on that aspect of life force, which is connection to self. excuse me, is meditation. But as I do with my students and with all of you who listen to this podcast, make that whatever you want it to be. I know the TM people are going to be like, no, TM's the only way. This is the way to do it. (laughs) Every TM person I talk to, they're like, no, no, no. I've studied, I've researched, this is the only way. I'm like fully supportive of you. Like TM is your thing. For me, in, in trying about 10 different kinds of meditations and I have found something that's kind of a, is the word amalgam? Is that the right word? Yeah. A mixture, combination, of, combination a of, of a lot of things that feels really good to me. And it's really kind of nutty. If I went through it with you, a lot of people would be like, you do what? But that's, again, it's just like words. This feels good to me. So I just pulled up this self-care bingo thing on Google. Okay. All right. And journaling is one of them. Journaling is one of them. So I just want to throw some ideas out because sure, some of these I have an aversion to and some of them I love. So... 
uh, declutter my space. But huge. I We do that all... You and I both... Like the other day I was feeling a little overwhelmed and I cleaned out the junk drawer. Yeah. Like there is a feeling of release. And that that is energy elevating. Yes. When you clear yes. out a junk drawer, yes. doesn't it seem... Oh my God, it's the best. And you and I get... We go through these phases. You'll clean out the mudroom or the garage. I'll clean out my closet or I'll want to clean the girls' rooms because mm-hmm. they're in charge of their own rooms. But sometimes I'm like, I just need to deep clean this space yeah. for you because I'm feeling like they're feeling cluttered. Well, and some of it, like, and I, I know hoarding is, is, um, it's a mental mm-hmm. thing. So there's no judgment here, but I can only imagine somebody who hoards that odds are their energy is probably being depleted because of the amount of stuff. And that's all interconnected, right? right? The stuff is how they think they're surviving and holding on, but really it's p- pushing them back. So a few other things, spending time with nature. That's something Huge. I love doing, uh, taking a mental health day, um, hugged friends or family. Oh. One of my daughters like needs that. Like hugs are vitally important to her continuing with her day. Get eight hours of sleep. Huge. Compliment someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Drink water. Mm -hmm. Now, again, these are tapping into other life forces. Sure. Because you and I were talking about self. Self. So this this bingo would be all three. All of the three. Okay. Um, Ask for help. Have fun. Listen to your body. Eat good food. Take a shower. Get dressed. Catch up with friends. So there's a bunch of stuff. You know what I like about have fun? Something that I have done better in the last couple of years, and I'm really, really proud of this, like it brings me to tears sometimes when I think about it, is when I am struggling with something or scared of something, I still am willing to have fun. Mm. Like I don't want to be like, I can't have fun until this is resolved. Yeah, this, this, this thing, whatever it is, is not going to be all encompassing. Yeah, I refuse. I refuse to allow it to be anymore. And, do you, and this is something I feel like I'm good at and you may not be as good at, but maybe you'd be like, no, I'm actually really good at it. It sounds like what you're saying is you can put that worry in a box. And that's not what I'm doing. Okay, what are you, you doing? You compartmentalize. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I'm better at compartmentalization. I allow it to be there mm. and I have fun even knowing it's there. Got it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and I'm like, I'm going to put you this over here mm-hmm. and I forget it. Yeah. I, I don't do that. Got it. Okay. And, and when I say that, I don't think I'm doing it better than you, but I don't have that capacity. Yeah. My, remember the, and again, I'm just using this, everybody as a generality because Todd and I found some, you know, support in this. You are boxes in the brain and I'm spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. You know, like my brain is more like everything blends together. So I don't ever forget. Yeah. What I believe is that to help this challenge in my life, and we've had some challenges, if it be, you know, something going on with one of our girls that's long-term or something going on with one of our parents where there's no way to make it end right away. It's going to go on and on and on, you know? And so what I've had to realize is I need to hold both of these things at the same time. I think what I used to do is be like, I got to resolve this and then we can have fun. Then we can move on. I'm having a tough week, so I'm shutting everything down. So you maintain your spaghetti nature yeah. and I maintain my waffle nature. Yeah. And and I I just, my spaghetti nature, because it was all interconnected, I was like, I got to figure this out to be able to do this. And now I'm like, no. I am going to do this and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to listen to my podcast and I am going to go out and I am going to, because life is now and there is nothing I can do right now to change that. But what I, if, if I can show up in, in the best space possible with my life force and, and and again, this isn't this crazy. This is what Phil's talking about. He's like, if you can get your, so, so for example, if I came in to see my therapist, which I, you know, I see her a couple times a month. And I was telling her all these issues I was having. And then she said, well, focus just on your life force, which Mm -hmm. is what Stutz always says. 
And I did that and I was like, oh, I'm focusing on this and I realize I can still have fun and have conversations with people even while this is going on. She'd be like, okay, you don't need to solve that problem then. Do you see how like we're always looking to how do I solve this? And we also have to understand the way interpersonal neurobiology works in that there's all sorts of aspects to it. But one of them is, is your fear always needs somewhere to go. Yeah. So if things are kind of chill, it won't stay that way. Mm -hmm. Your brain will look for a little bucket to put fear in. Yes. And I see that with clients all the time where they'll be like, everything's good, but mm-hmm. I'm really starting to worry about what my son is doing, yeah. you know, after Basically, school. Our 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 evolution does if unchecked does not allow itself to be at peace. Fear doesn't fear I see fear in my brain and in my body as like an energy mm-hmm. that needs somewhere to to set yeah. to settle. And sometimes this is kind of interesting to me. You and I have talked about this, but sometimes when I am struggling with something, it has a place to go mm-hmm. and it makes everything else less daunting. Yeah. A, a very real place, <laughs> right. like something that a rational person would say, yes, this is That's something to, to be, be afraid of. of. Yeah. Um, and so then when it's there, other aspects of my life are kind of thriving mm. because I'm like, this is, yeah. the fear is like, here's a bucket I can be in. But when everything is kind of calm and normal, yeah. your fear is like, where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I go? Yeah. So does uh, any listeners know anybody out there that if it is calm, that they'll create chaos? I I know there's a lot of people (laughs) in my life that I've experienced that. They can't tolerate non-chaos because their fear, and again, there's so many different words we can use here, but we'll just be general. Like that anxiety they feel or that discomfort with silence is it ha- they don't it's not trained yeah so it needs a place a to muscle go. that needs to be uh stretched so what else you got okay so maybe we'll ha- i don't know how much time we we're have. at maybe. 40 minutes in let's do one more one more two. well this is the big one. Oh, part x oh okay. okay so this is really i feel like the big takeaway from stutz is um understanding what part x is and there's all sorts of different ways i can describe it and then todd you use sure. whatever language you want so Part X is the invisible force that wants to keep us from growing, okay? So that's one way to say it. It is a, um, it's an aspect of ourselves that always shows up that everybody has that tells us we don't have enough energy to do what we need to do, that we don't have what it takes. It, it will attack, it involves hurt feelings. Um, it is about feeling like, it shouldn't have happened to me. Um, I'm not deserving of this. There's a feeling of like, um, what's happening to me is so much different than everybody else. Like this shouldn't happen. Um, uh, let's see, I want to look one more example. So sometimes part X is the part of us that gets really focused on immediate gratification. So for example, if we know that we need to go to sleep and that it's at least time to rest, I know some of us can't like force ourselves to go to sleep, but but then we scroll through TikTok for two more hours. Mm-hmm. That's your part X saying, no, you, 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 let's just do this. Yeah. Let's, you don't need sleep. Yeah. Let's just do this. Or you don't have time Something to meditate. Something you away from your most natural alive self. The best, the, the gifts that you are, I don't like that. The parts of you that are willing to grow and to understand something and to move with it and to flow with it and to have the energy to take on whatever's necessary, there's this part of you that tells you you can't do it. Yeah. And so when I when I saw him explain part X, the only thing I thought of was ego. 
Like, yeah. uh-huh. well, is there, and I would love to ask Phil Stutz, what's the difference between ego and part X? Because I've never heard of part X until I watched a documentary, but we've all been hearing about the ego. And, you know, for me, the ego is anything that, you know, it's trying to um, outsource approval from others. Yep. It's trying to outsource control and all those things. If we believe in ourselves and our ability to do that, then um, then we don't have to worry about how the outside perceives us. So I feel like the ego is just, or it could be the negative self-talk, right. your inner it could roommate. Be the, it could be the inner roommate. It could be the running t- uh, tape in the in the head. The racket that we run. And this is why Todd and I kept pausing it because we were trying to come up with these words. Like, what is he? Because every therapist... Um, not everybody has very, you know, super specific tools they're using, but we're all talking about the same thing in different language. This is what we do in religion too. We're all talking about the same thing. We're just using different words and we're all trying, we're talking about spirituality. We're all talking about the same thing. We're just using different words. And so the, I think the, the goal of part X or ego or whatever we want to call it is to tell you, you can't do it. You don't have enough energy. You, and, and what it keeps us from doing is it becomes an excuse. Then I can't have that confrontation. I can't, how many, how many clients, Todd, and I know the answer to this because you and I talk about it all the time. How many clients do you and I have who are like, I can't bring that up. Mm -hmm. I can't have that conversation. And it is the part X in them. That's like, I'm incapable of it. I already know how they're going to respond. It's not going to end well. I refuse to. And then there's all sorts of stories we put around it. Like I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to. I was, excuse me. I was just having a conversation with my oldest daughter last night and Something came up with some people she knows. It's her story. But one of the things we were talking about is I said, you know, sometimes we we think people, and, and I was dealing with this this week too, Todd. I kept bringing this up to you. We think people should act a certain way. Yeah. Okay? And we're like, they should do this. And if I was them, I would do this. <laughs> stories, stories that we make up. And part X is that. Part X is like, this is the way it should be. And what we recognize is that we... If we want to do something different, we have to lead. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be a leader. So if you're like, well, you know, I don't want to bring it up because I shouldn't have to. Okay, then it'll never get brought up. Yeah. Already, you know, I really feel like, and Todd and I have an agreement with this, like, and he's good at bringing things up now too, but I was like, instead of I'm going to wait for Todd to do these things, he doesn't see them the way that I do. He doesn't know what I need. So it's my job mm-hmm. to say, here's how I see things. Not so he necessarily changes as a person. So he understands I have a different perspective. Yeah, you are revealing, revealing. a part of yourself yes. without wanting to change the other person, which is really hard because sometimes we want the other person to change because if they don't, then it makes our lives more difficult. So it's and, tricky. And that's the thing is like, if I say something to Todd, like if I... We we just watched Apollo 13 the other night, which is such a great movie. And I remember when Todd and I first started dating. Failure is not an option. That's right, Tom Hanks. It's not. No, that, Jim was, that was Ed uh, Harris. Oh, that was Ed Harris. Sorry. That's sorry, Ed Harris. You're like my favorite in that movie. I'm sorry. I didn't sure. know who you were. He's the best. Um, But in uh, how did you pull up an Apollo 13 thing that fast? I'm good, sweetie. <laughs> oh Failure is not an option. Anyway, when Todd and I first started dating... He would come over to my place and he would always want to watch Apollo 13. <laughs> I 
didn't like it that much then. Now I'm like totally different human about that movie. But I like didn't want to tell him that because we were first dating. And I was like, I don't want him to think I don't like this thing. But it drives me crazy that he watches it. So what do I end up feeling? Annoyed at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of me saying, I don't think I like this movie as much as you. Can we put in Wayne's World or something that's like more, you know... And he probably would have been fine with it, but instead I'm mad at him. Mm-hmm. And so it just reminded me we were, when we were watching Apollo 13, I was like, Todd, we used to watch this all the time. Mm-hmm. And now I love it, but there was a time I, I can't believe that there was a time I couldn't say that to yeah. you. Yeah, it's funny. I think what you're talking about, at least in my terminology, is you withheld. Always, yeah. And withheld leads to projection and judgment and, and resentment. all that. Versus, and this is this is hard work. Um, I would love to say it's easy, but it's not. Instead of revealing a part of yourself without, it's just it's it's an offer for the person to know who we are. Correct. Instead of revealing, doesn't mean I'm going to say something to you so that you can change. Right. Instead, it's I'm going to say something to you because this is my experience, and whether you change or not change, we'll see. But I'm not saying this to you to get you to change because. It's really hard to connect with people that are doing that. And let's think about it this way. Let's use Apollo 13. If I would have been able to, when we were 27 or whatever, say to you, I don't really love this movie as much as you do. Could we watch something else? Maybe the next day we still could have watched Apollo 13 because you like it, mm-hmm. but you know right. that I don't love it. And so you know me better and I'm like, okay, we'll watch it. But then tomorrow we're going to watch Gladiator. Yes. You know, I love Gladiator. <laughs> Does anybody like Gladiator? Oh, um, I think a lot of people have Oh, such a great movie. Anyway, so- we are, that's what partnership is about is just because I don't like Apollo 13 doesn't mean we're not going to watch it. Well, and I think what we see often and um, is withholds. There's yeah. a lot of husbands and wives out there that are biting their tongue and not saying what they want to say. Or there's other people out there that are just screaming from the mountaintops saying what they want to say. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about either of those two actions. It's about can we listen consciously to the other, which is really hard to do because usually when somebody else is talking, I'm going to judge whatever it is that they're saying. Right. It's really hard to get in that place of true openness and, in relationship. And also realize what you're asking for because, sorry, I'm just going to keep using this movie. I am not saying to Todd, you shouldn't like Apollo 13. Right. Okay, so I'm using this movie because I think sometimes we'll be like, I can't believe my husband likes red wine. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with him? Yeah. He can like red wine or ath- athletics or sports or, you know, we can like Real Housewives if we want. We can like The Bachelor. We, no one should be telling us what to like. Again, mm-hmm. this goes back. But can we then share in that experience, like, I'm fine with you liking Apollo 13. I don't really love it. But it's impacting it. me. Yes. And I just want you to know me and maybe we can come up with some. And the thing is, the Apollo 13 is a good example because it could be a barrier in connection in relationship with the other, or it could be an opportunity Opening. for growth. Yeah. It's it's really healthy. And this is like a micro rupture. Mm-hmm. I like Apollo 13. You don't. I know you do now, but back then you didn't. Right. We could either be like, yeah, well, we're not seeing eye to eye because he keeps wanting to watch the damn movie over and over yeah. and over again. If you can look at this, hey, this is an opportunity for me to share a piece of myself, a piece of my um, wants. Yeah. And that's what you say. Hey, I have a want. My want is can we can we minimize Apollo 13 to once or twice yeah. 
a month or like, a week. It's stressing me out. I think that's what I used to say is I'm like, this is constantly stressing yeah. me out. And like, because that whole movie is tension. Yeah. Now, now again, I love it. Right. But there was like this piece of me that I was like, after working with, you know, in a partial hospitalization unit with children, like coming home to tension right. is not, but then I'm laughing at myself because then I'd watch Gladiator. Right. But anyway, we all have our things that we like. The point is, is being able to share it. Now, what I will say is that I know a lot of women I work with will say, I have tried that. Mm-hmm. And there has been, it has been met with great defensiveness. But again, I always want to be in the room and be like, what was the tone? Yeah, right. What did the you say? The devil is in the details. It is. And, and again, I'm not blaming my clients or saying they were wrong. I'm saying there's so many pieces to this puzzle. This is what Todd and I are hopefully going to do a course about for Team Zen is how to have these difficult conversations um, because we've had them all yeah. <laughs> in 20 years. Well, maybe not all, but we've had a lot of them. Um, so anything else about Part X? Uh, no, no, I think we should close it out. Well, let me end with this because this is a part of something that we talk about on the show and it's what my book Zen Parenting is about. Phil explains to Jonah something that's really, can sound scary, but can maybe put your mind at ease, everybody. There's three aspects of reality, pain, Mm. uncertainty, and constant work. It's a little similar to Life is Suffering with Buddha. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And, and why we need to understand this is it'll keep part X from saying it shouldn't be this way. Right. It'll keep part X from saying, oh, I'm so tired. I shouldn't have to do this anymore. What makes you think you shouldn't have to do this anymore? Yeah. Who told you that? Now, in the midst of it, you get to have joy and have fun and read good books and watch good shows. You don't have to be dragged down constantly by the things that are uncertain, painful, and constant work. But I think we're waiting to clear our plates of all these things to be happy. And you never will because something will come up because that's the way, that's an aspect of reality. And I know we don't like it, but I think the more we accept it, the more we're like, well, hell, I might as well then uh, go on this trip or I might, you know, I might as well laugh about this or I might as well, you know, clean out this junk drawer because this, this is just kind of the way things go. And I think we find ironically a lot of joy entwined in all of that. Well, there's joy in the struggle. Yeah. If, if we are doing it right. Right. Like instead of it ought not to be this way. How can I, you know, we'll go back to the first one. How can I change my perspective on this struggle? And sometimes I'm able to do that. And sometimes I feel sorry for myself and blame others and blame myself. It just depends on where I am at, where I'm, where I'm at that day. And I think one of my terrors is the fact that I think I'm alone or that I'm the only one doing something or everybody else is fine and I'm not, which is complete crap. That's never the case. And I don't look around the world saying everybody is doing awful, but I do look around and I say, everybody has had either a struggle right this minute or, or they're, everybody's struggling with something. Well, you and I just had an interesting conversation. This is probably a conversation for another podcast, but how you're a two on the Enneagram Uh and you had this kind of like, I don't know if it was a rational judgment, but how come everybody should be twos? (laughs) Like twos are what makes the world go around. That, in my perspective, it is. And what I mean by that... And that's your Mr. X it, guy. It is. Well, let me say it this way, Todd. It isn't part X because I'm not really saying why yeah, is yeah, everyone yeah. a two. I know why right. everyone's not a two because we can't have a bunch of twos because then we're not getting the... <laughs> you know, we're not getting things done and, we're, and things aren't being organized or things aren't being thought through. Like, I understand. I think what I mean by the two piece is what a two, everybody strives for love and connection, I know that. But what a two does is they're like the 
only thing that is important right now is people and connection. They prioritize it. And Todd is someone who prioritizes sim- systems. Productivity. To make sure that then we connect. Yeah. And I'm like, let's just go to the person. Yeah. Like Todd will be like, we need to fix the system, then it'll help the people. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 just go to the person. Yeah. So both are needed. But what I was saying about twos is that when you really get down to it, everything is about people and connection. So we are skipping over all those other steps. Mm-hmm. It, it is not, I don't, I literally don't walk around the world thinking I'm better. Yeah. I just think what I am teaching everybody is how to be more two-ish. Right. <laughs> and I think you might even say, well, two is all about loving nature, loving others, loving yourself. And I think that that's in a way true. Like at the end of the day, you know, we're just here to love, right? We are here to help each and other. How do, and how does a five interpret that? Right. right. And that's kind of what I mean yeah. is five needs love as much as everybody. There's no, I, I really, cause I know that when we were having the discussion, I was kind of being a smart ass. Like, yeah, everyone should just be a two. What I mean though, is everybody I've worked with, no matter what their Enneagram number is or their love language is, what they want is inherently what a healthy two gives. Mm-hmm. A shadow two is a totally different thing. Sure. Okay. A right. shadow two can be manipulative. Yeah. It can be narcissistic. I'm talking about a healthy two. It's, I love you. How can I love you? You love me. How can we connect? And that's what I feel like a lot of people are going for eventually. Mm -hmm. And they just have different ways. But I'm sure there are people who are sevens who would disagree and nines. And I I will totally hear you. Like, I don't think there's a right way. Um, And, you know, of course I'm going to say that because that's my skill set. Right. (laughs) Like, of course. You know, it's just like people saying everybody should be... You know, we all walk around thinking everybody should be what we are. If you guys are lost, uh, we did a podcast 508 on the Enneagram. So just an FYI. All right. So there's so much more in this documentary. I highly recommend that everybody sees it. Again, it's on Netflix. Um, There's so much in it and the books too. Mm -hmm. Um, But Todd and I really enjoyed it. And I think I'll probably end up watching it again. Um, and I want to uh, give a shout out to Men Living Connect. It is a friend forward platform um, that helps you connect with guys from all around the world. So go to Men Living, uh, just scroll down and you'll see it. And then Kathy has a book called Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Jer- and then the talk tonight. The talk um, this afternoon at noon. And then tonight. Central and tonight, 7 p.m. Central. Thank you. Um, and Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. If you live in Chicagoland area, uh, check him out. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. 630-956-1800 or avidco.net. And with that, we're going to hear some music. Keep trucking, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.